Automation is great, but people still crave and need human connection. All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast, brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I just want to remind you the best place to go to get new episodes of the show is on your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast, you will find the Field Famous Podcast. So please be sure to subscribe and follow if you prefer to watch the show in a video format. You can find it on YouTube, so please go there and subscribe. Uh, last but not least, please leave a five-star review. The reviews will help other other people in the industry to find the show and become field famous. All right, so our guest today is Brian Starnes, co-founder and CEO of SOS. Brian, are you ready to be field famous? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nice. There you go. All right. So the way we do the show always, we want to introduce where you are. And then what I'd like to do is try to figure out and follow your journey to where you, how you got here, right? Because everybody get everybody gets to where they are in different ways. Um, and I think it's really like we were talking about before we started. I think it's in that journey where we learn a lot. So um, why don't you introduce yourself where you are now, and then we can start sort of how you got there. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, thanks for having me. Um, I, my background was originally construction management. Okay. So right now I, I run uh, pest SOS. It's a pest, pest control contact center okay. specific for pest control companies. And I'm located actually out of Oklahoma city. We've got okay. agents kind of all over the United States, but, uh, I never thought that I would end up in Oklahoma city or in pest control. And so did I, this I'm bring sure you I'm there, got- by the way, did this bring you to Oklahoma city or you were in Oklahoma city and then this <sighs> happened? You know, in a roundabout way, this kind of developed into that. Okay. Um, I I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State. Okay. And so I grew up on the peninsula. I mean, we, we grew up on 40 acres on top of a mountain. Okay. I mean, foothills of the Olympic Mountains, it was gorgeous. And I thought I wanted to live and die there. It was absolutely wonderful. Great place to grow up. And I went to college for construction management. Uh, went to BYU-Idaho. After I graduated from there, went to Las Vegas and worked for a natural gas utility company for a year okay. as a uh, as an analyst there, construction analyst. And my job was pretty much to go in and tell them what they were doing wrong, okay. yep. <laughs> which is a great job right out of college. It was a blast. Mm-hmm. Worked mm-hmm. with great people. Nah, I don't but think at the so. end of the day, I, I was so. just <laughs> not quite, not quite, <laughs> but um, not at my level anyway, but uh, learned a lot. And then but at, at the end of the day, it it was boring. I was just working with pipe. Mm-hmm. And so um, ended up working for a bank out of Seattle, got a job and wanted to eventually get back right. home. Go back home. Yep. And so that was kind of the, the idea. And uh, I got an offer from uh, Washington Federal Bank. And so for the next about three and a half years, we moved back to Washington and I ran all of their construction for their um, for the, the bank branches by the time I left, they had about 250 branches in eight states, and I oversaw all of their capital improvement projects, all of their new um, new construction. Um, it was an absolute blast. I loved it. But uh, long long story it's short, like there's a I mean, but I coming. Kinda, there's a but coming, right? There's only so much you can do with a construction guy at a bank, <laughs> and I reached my ceiling. And I mean, wonderful people that I'm still friends with, and great mentors there. But, uh, but yeah, I had reached kind of the climax mm-hmm. of my growth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, worked for another company for about a year after that, uh, another excellent company with great mentors, but it just, 
it wasn't where I fit anymore. And I remember working one Sunday afternoon, which I, I try not to work on like on Sundays and have like a family day. But I remember working on these projects over the weekend and I called my wife who was on vacation at the time, which is the worst time to tell your wife that you're going to quit a job. Of course. Yeah, right. But I called hey, honey, her are you said, relaxing? Hey. Are you just having a really good relaxing time? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sit, sit down for a second, please. Uh, but yeah, I told her, I said, you know, this is killing me. Like I, this doesn't fit me anymore. And I just don't see this being where our lives need to be. And so long story short, I called my brother who happened to be in Oklahoma City. And he said, you really need to meet this group of entrepreneurs um, that I worked with in the past. He had done some door-to-door sales for them. And uh, anyway, he said, you know what, let me reach out to him. So long story short, I, he reached out to them. They gave me a call that day and they said, you know, we've been looking for a general manager that could handle multiple companies, multiple states. And we've been looking for the past year and a half and your resume sounds amazing. And so we had about a two hour conversation and a week and a half later, I was down in Oklahoma city running seven pest control companies in different states. And so, and so you move you you move there your life there is there so you had to, oh absolutely you had to then tell your wife not only that we're we're going to Oklahoma City <laughs> we're going we're, that was the next conversation was the there next was a lot con- that happened in that same day there's, yeah. there's, two conversations yeah. and yeah um, this is a big pivot honey so, so. there's a couple things that I wanted to ask about in that in what you just said the first thing is um, this is more of a statement but would we'll, we'll like to get your take on it that what I heard there is that you seem to be a very self aware person somebody that recognizes when they're not happy or fulfilled or recognize that there's a potential that they're just not going to get to. And that, you know, as we listen to that, everybody's listening to that, that that ain't easy. Um, that is an acquired and practiced skill. Um, th- this is aware. Self-awareness is one of the biggest things we try to promote with kids to be more self-aware, understand who you are, your emotion, where you're thinking and where you can go. Yeah. Have you always been that kind of person? Because that's a very, that's a unique skill set. Like, have you been that type since you've been young? You know, I think it's a little bit of, a little bit of a mix. I mean, I've always had a pretty clear idea of who I was and what I was about and what I wanted to do. Um, And sometimes I think we get into these positions, whether it's with work or whether it's with a company or whether it's a a group of peers, where our lives kind of end up getting on this track where we're kind of on autopilot. Yep. And sometimes those tracks, like it, sometimes we don't want to look down, like farther down in the future to acknowledge that, hey, this isn't really where I want to go. Yep. Um, and so in this case, like in the case with the bank, yeah, I knew that I needed to make a change because, I mean, I'd reached my growth. There wasn't really much to kind of consider there. The, the next company, my job description changed where, I was no longer working with people. I was more working on processes, which is great. I loved, I loved a lot of that, but I'm a people guy. And so that was one of those times that was really kind of hard for me to accept that it didn't work because I really wanted it to work. Okay. Right. And I mean, the company's still excellent. And my, my uh, supervisors were incredible people that I still think very highly of. But I, it does take a lot of courage to admit to yourself that, you know what, this track that I'm on is really not going to get me to where I'm going. Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, your brain. I was telling people like your brain really likes familiarity, and it it, it likes it likes autopilot. 
It's very safe. Sure. Right. When you get, because, you know, as a human, there's a lot of things going on. You know, I used to people remember those that stuff called breathing and your heart beating and all of that. That's actually going on all the time. And then you have the all these inputs happening. And it's just like, okay, if I can control everything, I am good. I don't want any surprises. So once you get into that groove of life, it's very difficult to shake that groove and get out of that because on so many like molecular and psychological levels, you, you're not programmed to do that. So that's why it's an incredible hard thing to do. Um, also want to ask you before we get to where you are and, and, and about that role at the GM role there, tell me a little about the skill set that, that you think that you really sort of honed in on your career. Like when you started through the bank, through there, did you find the conserved sort of line of skill that you were leveraging and using that you thought you were getting really good at? And like maybe there were some other things that you wanted to develop. Sure. So I think even going a little bit before, I mean, we're all products of our experiences and the people that built us before. And so when I was in college, originally I wanted to be a chiropractor. That's what my dad does. It makes a lot of sense. I really enjoy the business side. He enjoyed the service side. Mm. And the idea was to work together after I graduated and live and die in Washington. Um, But then I realized with myself, I can't stand the idea of doing the exact same thing over and over and over again with minor variation. I have to have change in my life. Um, My wife likes to tease me and tell me if, if there isn't enough change in my life, I'll break something just so I can fix it type of deal. And so that's just kind of my personality that I've kind of figured out over the years. Yeah. And so in terms of being um, like when I was at the bank or even before I got to the bank, I when I decided not to be a chiropractor, I really wanted to do something that gave me a lot of versatility. I, I know myself enough to know I have to work with people. I love working with people. I want to serve people in some capacity. I love to train. I love to teach. It's just kind of mm-hmm. embedded into who I am. And so I thought, man, what could I do that had a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, variants or a lot of different things that I could get into instead of being a specialist. I knew I couldn't be a specialist. Um, That would just kind of suck my will to live, Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so I thought, you know, construction. I've done construction in the past. And so I got into it. And I'm really glad I did. I thought I wanted to get into business because business is fascinating to me. But the problem that I saw with business is that it was so general. It was so generic. Um, And for me... It was such a good move for my pat, like for the few careers that I've had, even with these changes, yeah. jumping industries, it was good to get some more specific training, especially in construction, because I learned how to run projects. And the thing is the skill sets for running projects really are not that different from running businesses. You still have budgets, you still have timelines, mm-hmm. you still have teams that you got to develop and manage. And so that taking that and then going to the bank helped me a ton because then I could work with other people and use those same skills, regardless of whether or not they were construction related. I see. I got and it. And so that helped me build really great teams that has carried on to everything that I do now. So that skill set caught the attention of where you went with in this G, for the just these these GM roles, right? This role, but it was for multiple. Yeah. Explain what that was, because this is really now how you entered into pest and and would be the industry, right? So. So explain what it was. It was just full running running the show on different businesses in different parts of the country to explain what that was. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I was ready for a change out of Washington. Like I said, the tracks that I was on were, I could see where it ended up and I didn't like the ending. And so um, I needed to pivot. And then I met these, this group of entrepreneurs um, 
out of Oklahoma City, and there were yeah, literally six brothers and great guys, and they were looking for a general manager to help them run these seven well, like different pest control companies in different states. Okay. They were in California and Kansas and Texas, Oklahoma. They were they were kind of all over the place. And so they looked at kind of what I had done. And we had, like I said, just kind of a two-hour conversation. And, it, and usually I'm pretty good judge of character pretty quick. I can, I can get a beat on somebody most of the time pretty quickly to see if they're going to be a good fit. I had this two-hour conversation with these guys, and I'm like, these are people that I can do things with. They're going to give me space. They know exactly what they need. They can give me kind of my swim lane, and then I'll stick to my swim lane, and I can make some awesome things happen. Okay. And so that's really kind of what got me into it. But I had a little bit of a caveat with them, too. Um, I've worked in enough businesses where the top has no idea what the bottom level is doing. And so for me, I told him, I said, you know, if I'm going to get into this, this is great. But from what little I know, like you got your technicians that are in the field, you've got your office people. Um, it's like, I, I really want to, and you've got your door-to-door knockers. I mean, this group of brothers had some door-to-door knockers in some of their companies. And so I told him, if I'm going to get into this, I want to understand everything from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And so I came down and for about six weeks, I was a technician. I was licensed in three states. Um, and I sold door to door for about six weeks and it was so enlightening and it, and it was foundational for what I'm doing now because you have to understand where the revenue is coming from. Yeah. Yep. And, and you got to understand, like be able to relate to what's going on because many times if you don't understand the bottom, the top will make a decision that'll create like a domino effect Mm -hmm. and they don't know when it, when it's going to end. Yeah. So Anyway, that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, but yeah, absolutely loved it. It's been, they're but, great people. By the way, that's very self-aware of you, that what you just said. See, that's a common theme here. Um, what I hear about a, a challenge, so I'm 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 now you, I'm here. I'm, I have these seven companies in PEST and they're across, they're scattered around. I'm assuming they're at various different levels, possibly yes, um, of size and, po- and and sophistication in terms of what they're doing. I Because I imagine what I'm hearing is they're independent or not really independent, they're owned, but they're not the same franchise of the same thing. So right off the bat, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm sitting down, how how the chal- one of the big challenges must have been, how do you standardize operations across seven completely different things? Do you do it like locally at each level? That seems difficult. Do you roll up everything and centralize and run it like it's all together? So that to me looks like a like the challenge. Um, tell me if I'm getting some of the challenge correct and what you saw as challenges and 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 take me into how that went. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you have different businesses, you run into different personalities with the owners, different perspectives on what's important. And I think that was one of the hard things for me is having six bosses trying to make sure that I gave them each what they needed. And then you have, like you said, the complexity of you've got different states, um, different um, different legalities of operating in different places, different seasons even just different subscriptions or different um, services that you would offer. Um, And so for me, it was a little bit of a mix. We had one call center that would take all calls for all companies. So we would, the way that, that I functioned. Was that always the case, Brian? Like when you got there that, or that was, okay. All right. Okay. Correct. Yeah. That was always the case. We always had one call center, but each of them had slight variations on pricing. Each of them had variations on services 
And so for us to be able to effectively handle all of these different companies, we had to be able to standardize everything that we could and figure out where we needed to make concessions, but still do it consistently. And so um, each of these markets, it always came down to the team. I needed a local guy on the ground that could run everything that I couldn't from a distance, Mm -hmm. um, that I could trust to take care of business, that we would meet weekly and discuss kind of what their goals were and what they needed to look at. And really, it it was very much a mentoring situation, sometimes for them, sometimes for me. I had a couple of really great branch managers that I, to this day, I'll still reach out to them and say, hey, how does this work? But in order to be able to scale, you have to be, a, to a certain degree, you have to be flexible um, and understand that, hey, I got an opportunity in this branch and this doesn't apply to everybody else. It's just this demographic. And it's because I got the staff that has the skills for it, or you know, there's an influx of this type of pest. So, I mean, you need to be able to pivot based upon the needs of your demographic while standardizing everything that you can. Can you, were you involved in the demand generation, the marketing of that and bringing the business in, or were you more just involved on the business that's in and coming in, how to handle it, run it, grow it, standardize it, processes it? Where I'm going with that is I would imagine you'd have to, you know, that's a big part of this game is getting getting inbound and, and, and getting people to call. But some people are very particular on the ground on how that works and how that how, how it comes in and which places they want to focus on and how they want to do it. So were, was that were you involved in that and, and helped to standardize that across? Tell me a little bit about that process. No. So we had a couple partners that we would work with okay. um, that are, were excellent partners. They were great at marketing. Like agency and- partners type things. Almost. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That right. we knew them personally. Okay. Um, great, great people. Okay. And so we were relied on them to generate the leads. Okay. Personally, I marketing drives me a little nuts. It's right. a lot of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> That's mar- it's a necessary good, evil, though. Good, if you don't grow, you die. Good marketing is smoke, is smoke and mirrors, really. Not really smoke and mirrors, <laughs> but making something appear to be... I would say for me, the best marketing tactic is making people feel like there is no choice and they have to pick your product. If you do that, you're marketing correctly, right? Eliminate the choice. That's um, interesting. So yeah. they, they were yeah, just, so, okay, so you were, you were just, you were looking at the business as a function. The partners were trying to generate leads as the leads came in. And then there was a sales mechanism that was, was closing. And so it was from that point on and the, op, the operations, the routing, all of that, you were, you were involved mm-hmm. with. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Cool. So. I imagine now, and again, I, this is what I love to do with guests. I look enough in their background to know what I want to talk about, but I don't look enough where I learn about you as I'm talking to you. So I imagine now I'm seeing where where you are now and the company you are now sort of came from out of what this seems very similar, not similar, but like seems like this would be a, an approach you could expand on a lot of different companies. So how long were you were you know here with these seven? And then where did the SOS idea really begin and that, and that road begin? Sure. Yeah. One of the partners, when I first started, I think the first summer that I was working, um, working for these seven companies, one of the partners said, Hey, I wonder if we should do this. And I remember looking at him thinking, you're crazy. Like it is hard enough to get seven companies that we know that we all own, like on the same page, like as it is. And you you really think we should open this up? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And when that's what's kind of crazy too is like every pest control company, we use the same products. Not really much has changed over the years in terms of the industry, other than software. Um, And so it's kind of like, man, we we are all so similar in what we do. 
And yet we're so different, so different down to every little detail of this is how I like to name my subscriptions and my services mm-hmm. versus, I mean, and this is what has to be said every time on a call. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, so that's kind of where it started was one of the partners kind of threw it out there and, and I said, no, <laughs> in fact, I said no for about two and a half years. Um, <laughs> and even when I would network with people, they'd be like, you, you run a call center, like with these companies, can you can take you calls that? for us? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well we can. And they're like, well, can you do it for us? And I'm like, no, I have no desire nope. to run your, run your phones just cause it's, it, I know how hard it is with your own companies. Right. Especially right, if like your brands saying, are a little right, different. Like the people that you, it's hard enough to do with the people that you know. How am I going to do with people that I really don't? I don't know what's going on on the ground. Right. I, I, I would totally yeah, understand absolutely. that. So something changed that, that thought process clearly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we ended up having, um, you can imagine having so many, um, so many brothers or investors in these different companies, how sometimes it's kind of difficult to be on the same page with who's running Definitely. what. Um, and so they, uh, the brothers decided to kind of start splitting up some of their companies amongst themselves, which was really great. And I still ran a few of them for a while. Um, but then as that started happening more and more, and we were just running a few companies or I was just running a few companies at that point, it was like, Hey, you know what? I mean, especially with what's kind of going on in the economy, maybe this is something that we should look at because by then I'd had so many people ask me, Hey, can you take calls for us that I thought, you know, maybe there's a need there. Um, and so that's kind of what got us into this okay. uh, is we started kind of toying with it. We ended up adding a couple companies here and there of people that we knew personally right. that we thought would be good partners like and beta we could kind of grow bit. and yeah, yeah. yeah learn yeah. from each other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of what got us into it and kind of where we are today is I ended up as Pest SOS started getting bigger and getting traction really quickly. Um, I ended up going to the group of brothers that I was working with and said, Hey, I don't have capacity to run companies anymore. Right. Like this needs my total attention. And so, yeah, so that's so where that, we're at today. So that was that. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I could see, like, it's, it's amazing how that works, right? Like if you look back, if you look back now at your whole story and where you are, it would never be something that you could just devise <laughs> and never. write down, right? Never. Be like, right. Exactly. Never would you a million years think. Uh, that that's where it is. Let me let me ask you a little question about the service. So, is it sure. just with the with the calls? Because we all know, like in this game, if you're in any if you're any sort of field service, um, but past as well, people are going to pick up the phone and still call. That's still a real thing. And I'm I have this debate a Absolutely. lot. I have this debate a lot about buying online and calling in. I'm still in the camp that people are going to call first, especially when it relates to pest control, because it's an incredibly anxious state. You have something going on in your home that you don't like that's really bad, if you will. And sure. I want to I feel comforted that you're going to take care of it. And I don't get that comfort from a click. I get that comfort from you telling me, I understand your problem. I will be there tomorrow and I will, you know, so there's a, I, that's my, I'm in that camp in that debate. Sure, right? sure. So tell me about how, how you, in that regard, across the country, people sound different, right? There's, I'm always, when I call someone down South, I'm going to hear them. How do you standardize some of, how do you get the feel of that company in a call center? Is that something that you try to do or, or are you in the camp where it doesn't matter as long as you're saying the right thing and selling it? Tell me a little bit about that sort of thing. Cause that's really intriguing to me. Yeah. So our process, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a lot, there's a big push for more automation, which is great. And companies should be looking at automating where they can. 
um, especially as we kind of get into the economy um, or the what we're kind of looking at of potential of the economy making some changes. So it's good to automate everything you can. Something you got to remember, what is it that made you good in the first place? Lots of times people have this thought that it's like, oh yeah, I'm the best pest control company. Sure, you can be, but you're using the same products as 50 other companies in your area. What is it that really right. makes you different? Well, my subscription names are cooler. They don't care. The customer doesn't care about that. People still care about connection, especially yes. since COVID. Yep. And I think kind of going along with what you're saying, I mean, we look for automation as well, but we look for automation in areas where connection isn't necessary. Where connection is necessary, that's where you got to be able to hone in on your people and keep that there because that is what people want to buy. Um, just kind of like your story and example as example is is a prime thing. Like I tell my agents all the time, it's like the number one thing that you have to do for every call to be successful is to care about the person on the other line. By right. the they time someone calls right, in, right. they have to feel like you really care. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And you have to genuinely care. It can't be just lip right. service. Like right. you have to be into them. Like you have to give them your attention. I mean, during the time, like even before COVID, people were still about customer service, right? And then when COVID hit, um, not to go like deep into that, but once COVID hit, companies decided to scale back. They wanted to automate more and more. And they really cut back on the personal touch and that human connection, um, mostly for financial reasons. But because of that now, like if you think about a call center, and this is one of the things that we kind of struggle with is if I say, oh yeah, you know what? I run a contact center, a call center. People think of, right. okay, a, a company that's, not in the country. I'm going yes. to get some accent. I'm going to wait on hold for 15 minutes. And even then they may not be able to answer my question. Yeah. And so that's kind of the stereotypical thought. Um, and so for us and for business owners, um, especially in the pest control world, when someone calls in, you got to think, what is the process, process that they've already gone through? They know they have a problem. They want it fixed. They have already taken the time to look up your reviews on Google. Mm -hmm. Google is like their Bible mm -hmm. of, is this like, which company should I go with? Mm -hmm. So then when they decide to call, if they decide not to book online, which I think most people don't book online yet because there's still not a comfort there. Like they don't feel comfortable doing it. It's not the norm yet, but I think that's going to become more oh, and more so common too. in the future. Especially the homeowners get younger and the generation starts to move. I think, I think it, I think yeah. it definitely will for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the downside of that too is that services like, well, it's the downside and the opportunity. For companies now, um, when somebody looks at your reviews and they call in, they've already decided to hire you. They've already looked at your reviews. They've already narrowed down their search yes. and said, I'm going to call this pest yes. control company. And so what you need to do in some form or fashion is to re re reinsure them that they've made the right decision. Yes, yes. Reinforce what they've yeah. already decided on. Yes. I and so I that totally, can be just by listening. Yeah, I totally, what you're saying right now uh, is something that I've always been saying, especially about in this space, because they've read the reviews of others mean everything to them. Once they call you with a problem like that of a heightened anxiety, it's really your sale to lose, in my opinion, right? And the only and they're yeah. gonna be listening to price, but what I always told people, maybe I don't know if you agree with this, was you you sympathize with their problem, you reassure them you're gonna take care of it so they won't have that feeling anymore 
more. And then you get to what the program is and the price. And by the time you get to that, they just they just want it to be taken care of, right? So, you yes. know, I've listened to people yeah. be like, okay, where well, our service is $155 and we come back. When you do that, my first reaction, like, I'm gonna try somebody else because the first thing I heard was your price. So it really does matter. And like, to your point, you gotta really mean, it, you really, it does really, you really have to care. I mean, otherwise it just sounds like a bunch of yeah. script read. So that seems to me like a challenge to do this at scale. How do you find those people that care? There's just part of your process of, of finding good people to come in. Is this just how you select? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of it for us where, I mean, we've been very fortunate. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people having a hard time finding staff members. Um, and part of it too, is because we, we have very different expectations of what a call center agent should be. Because a lot of these companies that have been out there for a long time, they remember what the agent was five years ago, right? Before COVID, right? Or ten years ago, or back in the '80s with the baby boomers that I mean had phenomenal customer service. Um, and so we got to change like our measuring stick and kind of like what we view as important. And for us, the personal touch is one of the biggest things. We've been very fortunate that almost all of our staff are referrals from either our existing staff. Or from some of our clients. I mean, they have come, like, we haven't even had to look on Indeed for anybody yet. Um, and we, I mean, at all times, we've got probably, I think the last time I checked, I think we've got like 20 some odd people kind of in our back pocket that if See we that? get a few really big clients, right. we can hire like them tomorrow. To if bring them in a talent. Yeah, That's if it works awesome. out. Yeah. You always have to be interviewing. Yeah. That's one thing that most companies don't do, yeah. is they only interview when they really need somebody. This is and a if you're constantly churning that, yep, yep, then, yep, exactly. then I mean you're ready to go, and it doesn't take as much time, and you've got options. Right, right. I mean, past control. I was just talking about it was a lawn company too, and past they were just saying like, you know, people talk about hiring and retaining in these industries, but it's like you always help want always look. You're always looking. You never know, and you want to create an yeah. environment where people want that job when it becomes available. Right. You want to create a a, a, a work for a workplace where. You're, if, if people, someone said to me, like, you know, if someone isn't recommending your place of business to, to work, you're doing it wrong. So that should really be, be a thing. Uh, before I'm looking at the time, before I go, I want to just, just make sure I understand the, the business is not just on the sale side. Is that right? The call center is not just yeah. to handle sale. Tell me a little bit about other, some of the other stuff, because your knowledge is more vast than just that and, and running an aspect of the whole business, right? So tell me a little bit about what yeah. some of the other things you have going on. Yeah. So when we decided to do this, um, we looked at the different models that are out there, and it's it's you could throw a rock and probably hit three call centers that could answer calls for you. Um, the way that we wanted to do this differently was we started out especially like we specialized in pest routes, or and then later became field routes, mm-hmm. where it's like when I bring on a client, I want to bring on a partner, someone where we can be a true extension mm-hmm. of their office. Mm-hmm. And so what we do that makes us different from other companies out there is that like, say you've got your own pest control company, your customer calls into you, it's gonna, that call is gonna be sent to your team, your, your agents already, and if they can't get to that call, that call is still valuable, right? Especially if it's a lead. I mean, you're paying money right. for that. Yep. What's the cost of a lead not answered? It's yep. terrible. So that would forward over to us, and then we would f- pull up your field routes account, and then from there, we'll type in the notes, we'll create the subscription, and we'll schedule them on your technician. Mm-hmm. So we could be a true extension of your office so that that way your office doesn't have to do anything else. Any other call center system that you go with, 
they're going to be what, what I consider a half solution where they might sell the account. Um, they'll take a message and then they're going to send all of, and it's really nice. I mean, it's convenient for you as the owner. You don't have to answer the phone and have like your dinner interrupted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, your office manager is going to hate you on Monday right. when you got a stack <laughs> yes. of stuff that, you, right. that they need to input because, right. I mean, because of all these notes. Right. So right. that was the vision. If we were going to do it all, I wanted to do it all. I didn't want to just do part of it. And so somebody so. can call and tell you about what the, what their need is and you can tell them what you're capable of handling, I guess. Is that that the idea? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if, if one of your, like, say you had a pest control company, if one, if they called in or a customer called in on your number and got us, they wouldn't tell the difference between us and you. Right. We would be able to sell them on service. If they had an issue with their billing, we could pull it up because it's all in field routes right in front of us. Right. I see. And then if they needed to be scheduled, so we could schedule So it is like a true right extension there. of the business. And that's the, that has to, in my opinion, to be successful, that has to be the model, right? Because like we talked about from the beginning, you want to make that experience seamless. It wants to, you know, it can't be, it can't not come out as a genuine. They call that place that they looked yeah. up, that those reviews and other customers are talking about. And it's sort of like, it would be disingenuous almost if it was just like, Yes, it's two ninety nine. Like that's not that's not right. So I think that that's that's probably I would hope a concern. If that like of of me looking to call you, that would be a concern, obviously, right? And it clearly sounds like that concern has been clearly thought about and made sure it was put, uh, you know, put at the forefront of what what you're doing. Where before we close, where can people go to learn more about uh, Pest SOS if they're looking for for help or information? Just let's, let's do that now before I forget to do that. Sure. Yeah. No worries. Um, you could just go to our website at pestsos.com or right. pest-sos.com. Either one will work. I awesome. mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. All right. Um, but cool. yeah. All right, cool. And we'll have that in the show notes as well, the link. Um, we've been doing this with everyone before I go. Uh, we do like a rapid fire thing here. So what we'll do, I'm going to ask you like, um, I think there are 10 questions here. Whatever comes into your head first, you're going to answer. This is why it's great because they're so simple. Um, but the answers people give are so varied. So we're going to keep the questions the same and we're going to start our rapid fire. Are you ready? Huh. We'll see. There we go. You're go gonna, for there it. There we go. All right. Text or talk? Talk. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Oh, dark. It's real. Same. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Oh, summer. That's where the money is. So, <laughs> salty or... Uh, did I ask you salty or sweet? Oh, salty. All right. Nickname you used to be called or currently called? Oh, let's see. Biggie. Biggie. Biggie Smalls. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Oh, every language in the world. That's the common answer. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Uh, about five minutes. My man. Uh, scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? Ten the best. Ooh, eight. Eight. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, super strength. Rats or mice? Oh, I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Bees or wasps? Oh, I like bees. If you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Sure. And is this the best podcast you've ever appeared on? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. So let me just quickly uh, thank Brian for coming on the show and remind everyone out there, BeFieldFamous.com for more information. Subscribe on your favorite pod player. Tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And remember, your success is fame worthy. So come tell your story. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. 